What's going on, everyone? This is Eric Stewart from the Fishing Fanatics Podcast, and today I'm joined with Austin Neary, who's the founder of Dreamcatcher's Fishing Brand and also the owner of Fish Tips. So how you doing, Austin? I'm good, man. I'm good hanging out. Been in the office all day trying to wrangle up my guides, book trips, get stuff posted online, connect with uh, sellers on the platform, all kinds of stuff. Absolutely, man. Definitely, definitely a big undertaking on fish tips. And we'll hit into fish tips, more about that, and then your guiding service too. A little bit about that more. But I just want to start in a place where, you know, way back in the day when you first got into fishing, what does that kind of story look like of how you first got hooked into fishing? Yeah, man. So we lived on Lake Wiley. My dad had built a house when I was a little boy, maybe so like south of Charlotte, Lake Wiley, uh, South Carolina, Little Allison Creek. And Man, I just remember going down to the dock and catching brim and everything. And I always loved sports. And my dad, uh, my mom and dad were both Division One athletes at Clemson University. So they got me involved in sports at a super young age. And then uh, my dad was a custom home builder, moved to Maryland. I was still playing baseball like crazy. And then I, I liked this competitiveness. And uh, I was like, man, I love fishing. And dad had actually started a junior Bassmaster club, uh, which if you're from Philly, do you know the Duarte brothers that run house on the upper bay? And uh, there's some hammers that were in our junior fishing club. And anyways, that's that's how I got started fishing, man. I was in Maryland, uh, Potomac River, upper bay. I mean, the whole, the whole deal in Maryland. And then yeah, just fell in love with the competitive side of bass fishing. And, you know, it was just awesome. It's all like literally as a kid, I played baseball and I fished. I fished golf course ponds, you know, the whole whole wacky rig deal, learning learning how to use baits and what fish eat and everything. So that's how it all started for sure. Absolutely. And then you went on to college. And did you play baseball in college or did you just fish in college? Yeah, no. So I, uh, I, I was a pretty high profile athlete coming out of high school. I was the 2011 Maryland Gatorade player of the year, which is given to the best baseball player, you know, in high school. And just, oh, yeah. uh, you know, there's a bunch of articles. I I'm, I'm that guy that would be like, ah, you just can be good, you know, but, uh, no, dude, I, there's a bunch of articles. I was a pretty good ball player, but I ended up, uh, I had planned to play professionally. I was going to, I planned to be drafted to high school and play. I actually got hurt at the end of my senior year playing summer ball I tore my right labrum in my shoulder the first time I said I want to heal up and uh you know go to college and uh my baseball coach had said hey go to a place you're gonna love in case you get hurt and I had been to Florida State Georgia Tech just tons of ACC schools Maryland was recruiting me but dude I ended up at Western Carolina University it's a mid-major in the Southern Conference and it is the most beautiful campus on earth i think it is like surrounded by four thousand and five thousand foot mountains uh rivers running right through campus with trout in them and and bass and uh i was like man i i want to be here because i want to be able to play baseball and fish and randomly show up to class (laughs) you know but uh no i ended up there dude i played baseball i redshirted my freshman year recovering from my shoulder injury and then my sophomore year uh, about a quarter of the way through the season, I hit a double in the gap against Wake Forest, uh, slid into second base, and I tore my shoulder again for the second time. And uh, crazy, dude, but I actually, I mean, I fell into, honestly, like suicidal depression, and my life was in shambles, and my buddy was like, dude, you have this passion for fishing. He's like, maybe God 
maybe God wants to use you in the fishing industry. And I was like, huh, I never thought about it. But, you know, the more I thought about like, what, what does my life look like without baseball? I'm like, I love to fish. And that is like, uh, something that has been on my heart since I was little. Like I love the fishing industry. And, uh, I started my guide business. We have a ton of lakes. We have about 20 lakes that are between 510,000 acres in Western North Carolina. We guide on all of them, but I, I just, I got, I brought my bass boat down from Maryland and put out some brochures and said, Hey, I'm a lake fishing guide. And, uh, one thing led to another. The first year I ended up booking 200 guide trips. Yes. And I'm like, Holy cow. I think I actually like am onto something and I didn't know anything about my cost you know, variable costs, insurances, taxes, all these things. And so I, I just started breaking down spreadsheets. I'm like, all right, if I do these many trips and I go up to my prices like this, I think I can make a decent living. And one thing led to another and uh, my guide business really exploded. And then, uh, yeah, that went into a, that turned into a tackle shop. And then the tackle shops then morphed into a boat service and mechanic shop too, to mix with the tackle shop and the guide business. So pretty much where I am today. No, absolutely. And, you know, I was also played college baseball and I was also injured. And that point of like, it's a weird feeling when like, because when you're growing up like baseball or if you play any sport, really, it's kind of your life and everything's kind of wrapped around it in high school. And just like the whole goal is to get to the next level and get to the next level. But then when you get hurt, you're kind of caught, um, for lack of a better term, with your pants down yeah. and you're like kind of looking around like, what do I do here? And it's cool to hear you turn to fishing. When you started booking those guides, were you still in college? Yeah. Yeah. I was actually, so, uh, I've always been enamored with business. You know, my dad, when I was a little boy, he always, you know, he always worked for somebody. He said, Austin, if you work really hard, do it for yourself, man, own your own business and work hard. So I actually was in school majoring in entrepreneurship. And, uh, so, you know, business, just everything business related. I, I double majored with entrepreneurship and a degree in marketing. And, uh, I just knew those would be valuable for any kind of professional career, whatever it was. Uh, so I started booking, uh, trips in college. I was a junior in college and I used my business. I started Dreamcatcher Guides LLC, which is an umbrella company for all of my, all my businesses now. But, uh, Dreamcatcher Guides LLC, uh, I used it as my internship on a, for my marketing internship. My, like, is this, I, so like all, it was kind of cool. I got to literally use my business to propel me through college. And it was one of those deals. I'm like, I'm not necessarily a proponent of, uh, higher education in 2023. I don't necessarily see the value, but you know, uh, I said, if I'm going to stay in college, I'm at least going to use my degree like now. So I started a business and I can remember not showing up for classes and the professors would be like, Hey, you know, you, you got to show up for class. And I'm like, I'm, I'm the only one of the class that owns a business and is trying to rob it, you know? So that, uh, man, it was fun, but yeah, I ended up graduating on time and then just rolled right into my professional career as a business owner and fishing guide. Absolutely. And then, so it, it's this, it's the truth, right? With college, it's tough to go to class and then also run a business. And I've kind of seen it all my own things with doing some side things there yeah. too. And I know you mentioned you're not like a huge component of like the schooling thing. Yeah. And I totally get that. Yeah, I awesome. totally get that. It's, it's kind of a racket just to kind of get the money in the door, but yeah. we'll leave that for another podcast. We'll kind of focus on fishing here. Talk about your guide service a little bit more. And it's, um, Dreamcatcher's fishing brand or fishing guide. You got the website there too. You got the e-commerce store where I see you're selling a lot of swim baits and different stuff like that on there. You got the guide service. Do you have anything else kind of underneath that umbrella too? Yeah. So, uh, 
you know, it was kind of unique when I started guiding, I just kind of looked at them like, all right, what's the next kind of biggest cost that is I have that like I can try to control. So it was the tackle and I'm like, all right, I'm going to start a tackle shop. There's no good tackle, you know, business. And yeah, I was throwing a lot of big swim baits. So where I'm from is where the movie, the Southern Trout Eaters DVD was filmed, North Georgia, upstate South Carolina, Western North Carolina. So all these guys were throwing big swim baits. They made this movie, Matt Peters, uh, Jeremy Pratt, Brad Rutherford, they all left. They just took off and they just left this huge niche market. And uh, anyway, so I was like, I, I want to retail all this tackle. Like I want to be able to retail these swim baits and everything. So that's when I opened up my my uh, tackle business. And uh, yeah, and then, you know, thankfully just some doors have opened. My wife and I, we own a few Airbnbs, uh, you know, so we'll get people, they come and stay in their Airbnbs. They go out on trips with us. Uh, we're working on a TV show. The guys out of North Georgia, uh, they're they're going to come in, stay at Airbnb, go. We're going to go film the TV show and everything. But it all plays. All my stuff is very like synergy. They all work together, right? Like I've always been one of these guys. I don't want to own a business over here and then own a separate business that has nothing to do with it over there. Like I I believe there's like strength and synergy. So it was like, all right, guide business, tackle shop boat service, Airbnb, and like just really create this little orb of energy of multiple revenue streams. You know, that's kind of what I've tried to develop when I think of my business. So. Absolutely. It's really good mindset for any entrepreneur too. And the main thing I want to hit on here is big swim baits because I'm part of like the swim bait underground and kind of that entire culture for like the reselling and the, you got the Hinkles and I saw the clutches and the TKs on your website too. Yeah. So I know you hit it on a little bit with trout eaters, but tell me a little bit more of like how you fell in love with big swim baits and throwing them. Yeah, dude. I mean, I watched that Southern Trout Eater DVD and I'm like, oh my gosh, like all of these lakes are within like 30 minutes of me. And uh, so I got my first swim bait ever was a Huddleston. And then I bought a triple trout. And then, so I had just finished playing ball. I got hurt. And then it was like middle of May and I'm at a lake and I pick up an eight inch triple trout. My buddy and I were fishing a benefit tournament, like 70 boats. And I'm like, how much, it, how much does it usually take to win out here? And he's like, you're real country boy. Kendrick says, son, it takes about 21 pounds. And uh, I was like, all right, well, dude, we just need, you know, two five pound bites. And he looked at me and he said, you know how hard it is to catch a five pounder on this lake? And I picked up the triple trout late. This is like, not late May. It's almost my, around my birthday. It was like May 10th or May 11th. So I picked a, uh, pick a triple trout out, uh, up and I cast it across this point and I'm reeling it and one hits it. And I'm like, dude, I got one on a triple trout. My like second ever cast with a triple trout. I'm like, dude, it feels big. It dives under the boat. I, I go to like, like lift it to get it in the net. The thing has a mouth like the size of my hat. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he nets it, dude. It was a nine and a half pounder. Jesus. My first ever big swim bait fish was a nine and a half pound large mouth. Now come to, now come to find out, like I was kind of raw and new to the whole deal, but, uh, it was a herring spawn and this was like a rocky point. It had a little shoal that came off of it. Like it makes perfect sense now, but I had no idea what I was doing at the time. Uh, so I ended up catching this nine and a half pounder. My, uh, we go to the next point. I catch like a four and a half pound small mouth. We end up winning. I have big fish of the tournament and I'm like, holy cow, the swim bait thing's real. And then I got into throwing rats. It was just one of these things. Like every time I picked up a new swim bait, dude, I would catch a giant fish. It was like, I picked up an S waiver. My first fish on an S waiver was an almost nine pounder. It was like eight and three quarter. I pick up a rat. My first fish on a rat's a seven pounder. My first fish on a triple trout's a nine. 
and they were happening quick, like within like the first 30 casts. And I'm like, man, this is something really unique. And uh, I'll tell you, this is no joke. I, when I caught that nine and a half pounder, I was at the weigh-in. Someone was like, hey, how'd you catch that fish? And I've always been an abundance mentality guy. Like, I'm, I'll tell you how I do things and everything. But uh, I said, I caught it on this big swim bait. And the guy looked at me and he said, you're a cheater. He said, you're lying. You're a cheater. Ain't never seen a fish come out of this lake like that. And I was like, and so my buddy, my buddy Kendrick was like, he ain't a cheater. I netted the fish. We caught that. And uh, anyways, I was like, well, I need to start making YouTube videos. So that's, and so literally I ended up getting a GoPro and I started making YouTube videos because I was catching a lot of these big fish, all big swim baits, and nobody was like believing it. So that's how the dream catchers, uh, dream catchers fishing YouTube channel was really born was, was a guy on people like confronting me that I was cheating, throwing big swim baits. And I'm like, no man. So that's, it, it added as like marketing for me. And then the guide business took off and, and then we started to carry them in our store. And it was like this little snowball just kind of kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger into what it is today. And we have a, you know, we have a great following. We've got, I don't know, like 10,000 or so followers on our Instagram and about 10,000 subscribers on our YouTube. And just what it's all about, man. I, I really enjoy, uh, sharing my passion for fishing. Yeah. I was checking out your YouTube channel before we jumped on this podcast and there's some awesome stuff over there. So anyone listening, feel free to go over and check that out. The link will be in the description for sure. Um, but I got to ask you, um, Austin. So we interview a lot of professional fishermen on this podcast and, um, a lot of guides too, kind of, but I want to ask you, is there any reason why you focused more on the guide and you didn't really take a run on like the professional fishing side? Yes, this is a great question. And um, I have learned in my short time of owning a national and international business, I'm not going to name drop, but I spoke to a gentleman yesterday who fishes at a very high level and he was emotionally distraught. And, uh, he said, dude, I think I'm just kind of done with it. He said, I just can't do it. The finances don't make sense. And I talk, and I told him, we talked through some stuff, and I said, I agree with you. I have been fortunate enough. I know quite a few uh, Elite Series guys, really good friends, you know, uh, Bass Pro Tour, MLF, the whole, I know, I got a uh, BASS. I know, I know a ton of guys. Opens, Elite Series, Bass Pro Tour. Dude, I... It's really tough to make it in the tournament scene. And it's this glamour. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of showy around it, a lot of content around it. Dude, it is an absolute grind. I fished the Bassmaster Opens one year, and I, I did pretty decent. I mean, I think I finished like 40 some points. It wasn't like great, but I had a couple middle-of-the-pack finishes, and I had a really good finish at Lake Chickamauga. And I was away from my family for multiple weeks. Uh, even when I would cash a check, it just really made, helped me break even on the week. It financially did not make any sense. I even had sponsors. I had sponsors to pay for it all, which is really cool. So, I mean, I got to do it for free, kind of, because I had really good sponsors. I raised the capital. Uh, you know, I was a marketing person for these people and brand ambassador for these people. It wasn't one of these, like, I like the guys that are like, I'm sponsored and they get 25% discount. I'm like, no, you're a discounter. You're, you're not a sponsor, you know, but... I, I, I raised about $25,000 and at the end of the whole thing, I think I walked away at break even, I, you know, so it was like, okay, 
how, if I want to fish for a living and Eric, I'm going to tell you this, there's very few people that love freedom as much as your boy does. I love freedom. So when I think about freedom, I think about financial freedom. I think about spiritual freedom. I think about, uh, time freedom. And for me, I've always wanted to be in control of my life. And, uh, I was like, I, I love my family. I love, I love just the comfort of my small town. Like it might sound weird, but being on the road and traveling, like I enjoy it, but with the pressures, with the financial pressures, dude, it's, it will weigh on a man's heart. And for me, I'm like, okay, I can either stay home and guide five days a week. And I guide from 6am to 11 or noon. Right. And I make five or $600 a day, not even including a tip. So call it maybe six or $700 a day, five days a week for 250 trips a year, be in my tackle shop. I get to have friends over for dinner. Like literally my wife, my wife has a couple of her girlfriends over with the kids right now. They're playing in the pool outside. Like to me, that sounds like living life abundantly. That sounds like the abundant lives. And, uh, anyways, I just never, I was like, I never want to be on the road and away from my family and, and worried about having the cash checks, man. So for me, it was like, if I can be faithful with my guide business and you know, my guide business does about now it does about $250,000 a year. We do about 500 trips a year, $500 a pop. And then we have a tackle shop that does, you know, $600,000 a year. And then we have a, we do boat maintenance and stuff for another 250 to 300. And I get time freedom. I get, I get to hang out with my little boy. I get to travel with my wife on my terms where I want to go. And so it just never really made financial sense. The tournament deal. I think it's, I don't really know. I don't really know. Uh, it's like, uh, I don't know. Jesus said whitewashed tombstones. They look, it looks real pretty, but it's a, it's a dead end. And I, and I don't mean that negatively. Some guys are great, man. There's guys that were definitely made for it, but I'll tell you the hundred percent honest. Well, I can't, it's not like, it's not like I'm not telling you the truth already, but like the honest truth is professional bass fishing is a great way to be divorced and bankrupt. <laughs> That's the reality. And I'm just, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of people, I know you've obviously seen, I've kind of been controversial here lately, or, you know, some people think I'm controversial and I would ask you, I mean, would you agree with that assessment? It's definitely tough. It's, it's cause I've talked to a lot of the elite guys and the open guys and it's, it's not as glamorous as walking across the Bassmaster Classic stage and holding the fish, right? And that's really what I like to focus on in this podcast. They're like the real stories of the hard times that people have and even the good times that people have, right? Because there are really good times in professional bass fishing too. But I think that it is definitely something that's for people that have a lot of freedom, which is why you see a lot of the young deer kids getting into it that are fresh out of college that do tournaments there and kind of just streamline into that. They don't really have that financial commitment or family commitment that they kind of have to go through. Yeah. And and listen, there's some people that their parents or family members have great businesses and they can actually like pay, pay, they, Hey, go, go fish a hundred thousand dollars a year, burn, burn it in a fire marketing dollars. It's tax right off. I just didn't come up like that, man. I mean, I, my wife and I, when I started my, when I started my business or like when I graduated college and I was in the grind of really like full-time pursuing dream catchers, I had $14 to my name. 
$14 in a bass boat. And, uh, you know, I just like, once again, I, I was talking, so this guy who I was talking to yesterday, I said, dude, here's, here's the recipe. If you want to fish for a living and I'm talking about fishing for a living, right? If you want to fish for a living, guiding on a home lake cuts down your travel expenses, cuts down your fuel expenses, all these things. You're, you, you're in your own house, right? So cuts down your expenses, guiding on your home lake. You get to guide more because you're really niche focused on your, on your deal. You can become really efficient. And then over time you become a brand name guide and you build this brand on this lake. Well, here's the deal. You start doing that naturally business opportunities will open up. And that's where like tackle shop ended up opening up for me and all these other things. But like you said, there's this like real glamour guy, you know, you see the guy on the classic hitting the water bottles together and, ah, it's so awesome. But dude, a lot of these guys that are trying to do this, I mean, I, I spoke to one guy, really good friend of mine who took out an unsecured loan of, I think it was $50,000 to pay his entry fees in the Fastmaster Elite Series. Man. Dude, he was, he did pretty well. He was able to pay those off. But can you imagine fishing with the pressure of that? How about this, dude? Like, think about your peace of mind when you're sleeping at night. I don't know if I I don't necessarily battle with anxiety like I used to, but that brings me anxiety. And I'm somebody that likes debt. Like, I enjoy debt in, in the form of assets, like houses that I can make money. But taking an unsecured out unsecured loan out to pay entry fees to then try to make it in the fit. Dude, that makes, as a businessman, dude, that makes zero financial sense. And then on top of that, now you start talking about adding children into the mix and a family and man, that sounds like a really hard life of stress and chaos that I just, to me, that doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound. It's definitely, it's definitely a stressful situation, situation with professional fishermen, but I appreciate you giving me the insight on that. Cause I was always kind of interested when I looked into your background on that and, kind of the two different avenues that I see most of the time is guiding professional fishing. So that's, that's awesome to hear your insight there for sure. So let me ask you, do you think guides are professional fishermen? I think that local guides, it's, it's a great question. I have met, uh, we have a local guide out here and I would consider him a professional fisherman. I think really anyone that is getting paid to fish is a professional fisherman. I keep it simple. I know there's a lot of like hot takes on like, you know, People don't like being called professional fishermen, but the way I see it in my personal view is if, hey, if you're out there on the water and whether you're catching the fish or you're showing people how to catch fish, you're a professional guy. And if you're getting paid, so that's the way I'm there's, it. There's, there's a lot of ego in, in fishermen. Can't, <laughs> you, oh, there are, there's pro fishermen, but you can't call some people pro fishermen because there's <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of ego and negativity involved. I know, man. I've I've been in that conversation before. Don't call me a pro fisherman. Sorry. <laughs> Business owners and marketing professionals in the Philly area. Bad Rhino takes the overwhelm out of digital marketing. With tailored digital marketing services, from social media management to SEO and PPC advertising, our expert team navigates the complexities of the digital ad space for your business. Let Bad Rhino lead you to success. Visit BadRhinoInc.com and let's take your business to new heights. Bad Rhino, we do digital marketing so you don't have to. But let's, um, let's talk about uh, fish tips because I think yeah. it's super interesting the way you kind of built that. But let's just start off um, telling us a little bit more about fish tips and what it's all about. Yeah, so uh, I'm a full-time guide, right? I own a guide business. I have 
uh, three guides that I salary. They're full-time employees for my business. And we guide on a bunch of lakes. We guide on Joe Cassie, Kiwi, Hartwell, uh, the top end of Lanier, Lake Two, Hiawassee, Lake James. Like we've, we've done trips on Norman. So you look at North Georgia, upstate South Carolina, Western North Carolina, dude, we encompass a lot of lakes. Well, naturally what would happen was we had this booming guide business. Um, we're just booked to the max. I can't even, I can't even fulfill all the guide requests. And I'd constantly have people messaging me, Hey man, I'm coming into town. Uh, you know, what, what, what are they biting on? And I'm like, Hey, you know, do you want a guide trip? And so I would say, yeah, and I'd be able to book them or so I'd be like, Hey dude, I'm, I'm booked up. I can't do a guide trip. But I'd be like, do you want a guide trip? And someone would say, Oh no, I just want your information. And it just put me in this really like awkward situation, man. They're like, Hey, like this is, this is how I provide for my family. I, you know, I've been guiding for a long time. I have so many expenses and fuel and my time and bald tires on my trailer. And golly, dude, I mean, there's so many expenses. I'm like, dude, I spent 10 years to dial in how to catch these fish. Can't just, I can't just tell you how to go catch them for free. I just can't. I, I owe it to my family. It's all the time I've spent away from my family to figure out these fish. And now my knowledge has to come back and provide for us. Well, people are like, oh man, no, I understand that. Uh, no, I'll pay you something. So I started creating tips. I would like drop a Google, a pen on Google earth and say, Hey, you know, you can kind of see it. There's a high spot there on Google earth. You can see the shoal or, you know, approach it from this direction with the wind, throw this bait or, you know, I just started selling these tips to guys and I'd take the credit card and, you know, I'd run it through the shop and I'd make, I'd make a tip for them. Well, all of a sudden I was doing this at like a pretty high pace. And then one, one day I guided a fella, we smash a big bag of smallmouth on Lake Glenville, which is my home lake. And uh, he goes, dude, I want to book you tomorrow. I said, Adam, I'm booked for like three months. And he goes, oh man. He goes, uh, I said, but you have your own boat, right? Cause he, he had said earlier in the trip, yeah, I got, I got an 18 foot nitro. I said, well, if you have your own boat, I said, what I do is I said, I, I sell tips exactly like how I would guide you. I write it out. I can make a video for you. And uh, I'll drop some pins, exactly what I'll do. I'll look at the weather tonight for tomorrow, and I'll, I'll tell you exactly how I guide you. And this lake's big enough. I've got so much stuff I'm fishing. You know, you can go run this stuff, and I'll I'll take my customers and go run other stuff. They'll have a good day. You'll have a good day. He, he's, he buys the tip for $200. He goes out, because my, my guide trips are $600, right? So I, I imagine $200 is my labor fee. $200 is my expense fee. So that leaves my knowledge at about $200. So anyways, he goes out with his son and they smash him. And he goes, he goes, dude, that was awesome. He goes, I hit up so many guides that I've guided with in the past for information. They all blow me up. He goes, what if we created a platform for guides to be able to monetize their intellectual property? And I was like, dude, I've thought about it because obviously I'm doing it, but I've never really thought about scaling it. You know, I think what happens in the fishing industry, and this goes back to even what we were talking about earlier, we're, we're all so starving for success. We, we never really can look at like a big business. Like I'm so worried about getting my little peanuts. I, I don't realize that I'm on the peanut farm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm so worried about gathering this one apple that fell off the tree. I don't realize there's an apple tree above me. And, uh, like the whole industry starving for success, but like everybody could actually be, there's plenty to go around. 
So anyways, uh, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So he comes out of a tech background and I come out of just a country boy guide and fishing guide background. And we, I know a lot of guides in the industry and we pioneered this platform called fishtips.com for guides and highly dialed in anglers to be able to make money selling fishing tips, selling fishing tips. I get hit up. I mean, literally this morning I had a guy message me, uh, he said, Hey, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming up to Lake Hartwell. Saw you were there Saturday. How'd you do? What'd you catch? I, this is, this is every day as a fishing guide, I get these questions and obviously we create content around it and everything, but I'm like, Holy cow, dude, it's so hard to make it in this industry. You have to have multiple sources of revenue. And here I am like, I never, I don't, I don't say this pridefully or hockey or arrogantly, like I've made it in the fishing industry. I've got a business that does a million some dollars a year. I, I have guys that work for me. I can go fish whenever I want to. I can choose to guide. I can choose like I'm pretty financially free because of fishing. And, uh, you know, it's like, I know what it takes though to get there and it takes multiple sources of revenue. Hence why I have so many multiple sources of revenue within my business. But for a fishing guide, the only way a guide can make money is how? Yeah, taking people out. Yeah. Taking people out. You're limited. Listen, listen. You're limited purely to your time. It's the lowest form of payment is being compensated for your time. It's an it's called an hourly wage, right? That's why people desire salaries, because they desire to work really hard and maybe less time and make more than what their time is, right? So as a guide, you're you're income is directly oriented to your time you're just stuck you can only earn as much as you're on the water so how in the world can a guide make passive income well now fishtips.com allows guides to be able to monetize their knowledge so not only can they guide of course i i love guiding i like my guys guiding they've got families and everything like i need i need guide trips for our business to be successful but if we're already booked up or maybe um, you know, we're on a bite at a specific place and someone's coming to a different lake and we were on or whatever, I, we have no problem creating another revenue source for us by monetizing our information and selling fishing tips to those guys. So. No, I think that's, that's super fair. And I honestly, I really like the idea. I know you've got a lot of flack on social media about it and all that. Why, kind of stuff. Why, why, why do you, why do you think we've got so much flack? I think it's cool to see your content and the way you go about it. So marketing background, I worked for a digital marketing agency, just kept watching you. And like we've kind of mentioned and talked about, I have a couple of different social media platforms that I personally run that are made to stir the pot, if you will. And okay. social media in whole, when you leave a negative comment or you leave a positive comment, they don't see it as a negative or a positive. They just see it as a comment. So of course that boosts it and more people share it. And then other people feel like they want to make videos about it. So I actually think what you're doing is really smart. <laughs> I really do. And I really, I really can appreciate you making videos kind of adding fuel to the fire and what you do on TikTok for sure. Yeah. Well, and my, my desire like was never to really be controversial mm -hmm. about this. I think, I think there's some things like when I say tournament professional fishing isn't glamorous. There's people, man, we can go somewhere, bro. When people idolize something, they demonize the opposite thing. So what happens is if they idolize professional fishing and that's their desire, and then someone talks bad about professional fishing, then what do they do? They demonize what, what, you know, who's, who's speaking ill about their idol rights. So, you know, what, what's happened is I'm like, guys, I mean, 
Eric, it's, it, it would be ignorant to go fishing and not get information, whether in your circles. And that's the thing. I never called anybody a cheater. I just said, there's always some, everyone gets information. If you Google, if you Google something online, if you Google fishing report, lake, whatever, is that getting information? Yeah. 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 There's there. Everybody's, everybody's getting information. So this is just another form of information. And so when I had made the video saying, Hey, everybody gets information, pros get information. Everyone gets information. There was a lot of kickback, like, Oh, th this dude obviously doesn't know any professional fishermen or this dude. And I'm, I'm like, no, no, you, what you guys are hearing is me calling people cheaters. I've never called anyone a cheater. I just said, simply said, there is information exchanged at every level of fishing. This is just a platform for guides and highly dialed and anglers to be able to monetize their information because they're, get, they're constantly getting beat up by people. And, uh, you know, and so many people were saying like, oh, well, people can go figure it out themselves. And I'm like, I respect that. I, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but some people don't have the time to go figure it out themselves. Like I have a little boy, you know, who loves catching bass. He's two. Like, <laughs> Dude, if we go out on vacation, if I'm like, hold on, son, we're going to idle for five hours to find these juice holes, he's going to hate me. He's going to be like, that. I want to fish, you know? And there's a world where recreationally I can say, hey, you were on the water last week. I've got my own boat. Uh, give me a tip to head in the right direction and I can I can expand on that, you know? But, you know, it's it's definitely, it's polarizing. It's It's so interesting to me because... Every listen, we did a sur we we sent out a survey to 500 people, and 90 percent of them said that being a fishing guide was a dream job. I Would you say being a fishing guide? A dream job? Yeah, that'd be sick. So it takes a lot of work. No, do you know part of being a fishing guide is selling information? Every time you take someone to a secret spot or take someone through a secret lure technically you're monetizing or selling your information. So it's funny to me that 90% of people want to be fishing guides, but the, some of these people have had a problem with the idea of selling information. I'm like, what do you think being a guide is? There's, there's a lot of funny people in the uh, fishing industry. And I'm sure you get a lot of flack from people that just hate the fact that you're giving out information or selling information to, because I've, I've met a lot of people in the industry and I understand that like some of these people would rather dive and give away their secret spots or their secret lures. Like they're taking those, they're taking that to the grave. So like for you yeah. to be able to meet. And, but they take, you know, they take picture, they, mm -hmm. they take pictures or like, or they're, they're taking YouTube videos. I'm just like, it's a, it's a, it's a serious double standard. And, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's just, honestly, I just find it comical because I'm like, listen, Eric, this is how I feel about it. I don't need to be doing this, bro. Mm -hmm. nah. I listen. I've got I've got a great rental portfolio. I've got a great guide business. My family loves me. I've got friends that love me. Like I genuinely am doing this because I want to help fishing guides make a little extra money and also help recreational anglers who don't necessarily can't necessarily afford a guide trip or don't have time or whatever to be able to make memories on the water. That's where that's where this whole thing intersects at guides making money and people making memories. That's where, like I said, man, like I've I've 
been extremely successful. I'm very thankful for that. And, you know, these guys who are like, I want to be secretive. Dude, if, if these guys want to get on the Elite Series, guess what? They put a marshal with a tracking device to your boat. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, if, if you desire that to be on TV, there's going to be people videoing you. You're going to have follow boats. Like, there's this whole idea that it's so secretive, but it's 2023, man. We live in the information age. There's no real secrets that exist. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And for fish tips, real quick, is it the people that are using the app? So you got the guide side where you do the verification that I kind of looked into a little bit. And then the actual user side where people buy the tips, who is that really made for? Is it made for like pros, newbies, other guides? Like, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So when I think about um, people who are sellers on the platform, uh, I think about guides, uh, maybe highly dialed in local anglers. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe there's a guide who just lives on his home lake that he only fishes once every month, but he's been there for 20 years and he's like, hey, he, he wants to make a little extra money to take his family on vacation, you know, so we've got local, excuse me, local experts, full-time guides, part-time guides, tournament anglers. I mean, we've seen, uh, you know, I'm really good friends with Ben Milliken. Ben's made some posts after tournaments about, hey, this is how I call them. This is what I did and whatnot. So, you know, really anybody who desires to make a little extra passive income or as close to passive as possible income, you know, that's who we've created as sellers on the platform. Or like, like I said, man, guides who are like, or, uh, or even these tournament anglers that are like struggling. They're like, oh my goodness, it's so hard. It's so expensive. It's like, well, hey, dude, what if you made an extra $250 a week? Dude, over the course of 52 weeks, that's that's $30,000, $30,000 selling fishing tips. Oh no, I'm sorry. $15,000, my bad. I'm trying to think if you made a hunt, if you sold a hundred dollars, a hundred dollar tip for 52 weeks, that'd be $5,200. So $200 would be 10 grand and you know, $300 would be, you know, 50. Yeah. I'm not a big math guy, but I think it, it all adds up to make passive income. Obviously I'm not either, but, but either way, like dude, who, who couldn't use an extra 10 grand? Yeah. It'd be sweet. Especially when you're doing tortoises and all that. Yeah. Of course, dude. I mean, it's it's so expensive and everything. So then uh, on the buyer side of the platform, it's it's guys going on vacation. Um, it's, you know, like the other day, we're totally booked up. I had a, a guy renting an Airbnb that had a pontoon boat that came with the Airbnb. He's like, hey, I don't want a guide trip. Just what's working? I've got my own boat, you know, and I'm like, hey, you know, 50 bucks. And I told him, you know, shaky heads, wacky rigs and a drop shot. You need to look for these laydowns in this area of the lake. He freaking went out and smashed them. So, you know, I'm thinking about fathers and sons, buddies, guys vacationing. I mean, um, you know, uh, the other thing is there, I mean, there are tournament guys that are like traveling and, and I don't, I mean, I don't like look down on them at all because once again, what'll happen is some high profile fisherman might go into a tackle store and just kind of listen to what the locals are talking about. And is that getting information? Sure. I think that is. You know, and uh, not even if they add, like, you can't solicit, so I can't add to you. Hey, Eric, what are the fish doing in Pennsylvania? But if you and your buddy are having a conversation about the Delaware River and I'm in the tackle shop, you know, just kind of snooping around, you know, whatever. But there are tournament guys. Dude, if I was going to fish a tournament on Toledo Bend or Sam Raber, I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, I could side scan and do all these things, you know, but 
And like, I could figure them out. I'm a guy. I know how to use my side scan. I know how to use my live scope. I've been doing it for a long time. But someone like my dad, dude, my dad would have no idea. You got me thinking about my dad too. My dad would be lost. <laughs> exactly. And like, dude, I, I mean, I know how to freaking side scan, triangulate, li live scope. I mean, I, I understand all that stuff. But like my dad, my dad just is a bank beater. He just likes to beat up the bank. And if, if someone was able to, dad, dad said, he's like, dude, I would like, he likes to go to Florida with some friends. He said, dude, I would pay, he, they, they go for two weeks and they usually fish like six or seven different lakes. He's like, I would pay 150 to $200 for a tip on each of those lakes. Then just do one guide trip while I'm down there on one lake that I'm only going to fish one right. time, mm -hmm. you know, and here, oh my goodness, this is such a good point. I totally forgot. How much money does a guide actually make? I want to talk about that. Okay, so I got my fuel expense. Every time I hook up my truck and boat, it's about $125 to $150 in fuel. Okay, then my labor. Let's say I want to be generous. I want to pay myself $40 an hour. If I'm out on the water for five hours, that's $200. Then I have my insurance, normal wear and tear, tackle, and all these things. I, I usually equate that to about $100 to $150 a trip. So if I charge five or $600 on a trip, how much money is left? I know we're not good. Yeah, not good at math. <laughs> yeah, not much. What's left? About $125, $150. Yes. So when you look at like when guys are like, I can't believe you're selling, you know, fishing, fishing information or whatever. I'm like, listen, I'm selling it for exactly what I'd be making on a guide trip regardless. I just can now eat breakfast with my son or you know, do something else and not have to spend the fuel, spend all these other things. Yeah, absolutely. Cause like it's, it's the little stuff you don't think about with guiding. I'm sure like, like even you mentioned like the bald tires, like, ah, oh, I got to get new tires on the trailer. I got to get three of them. Cause I need a I changed two hubs, at least two hubs in a year on all my trailers. I've got three boats. No, it, it, it is kind of insane. The expenses. I like the way you think about it too. Cause you think of it from like a business aspect, not just like a, I'm just going to go fish and kind of guide and teach people how to fish. So, and that I think is where we have had some pushback is when you think about this as a businessman, what I say, I genuinely feel like makes sense. Uh, the pushback are these guys who just, they think like fishermen, man. They just, they're so stuck in, I catch a fish, think, and I'm, I'm like, listen, I, I love that too but i kind of want to fish for a living and if i'm going to fish for a living i have to work backwards it's going to take a hundred thousand dollars a year all right well how how do i work backwards if i'm going to personally make a hundred thousand dollars a year whatever the number is dude you know you've got to work backwards and so many people like i said there's a joe rogan podcast with young me park and I've, I've said this in a couple other podcasts. Do you know who she is she's the north korean defector. yeah yep yeah i actually watched the clips of uh of that online he's She's awesome. And she said they would starve us so I could never think of that. She would starve us so we can never think about free. And I'm like, that is the bass fishing industry. So many people are starving to make it, but they don't understand. They're, they're so worried about figuring out how to try to catch a fish. I'm like, you need to be thinking about how to make money. If you want to fish for a living, you can't just fish for a living, bro. You have to figure out how to make money to allow you to fish for a living. So there's a lot of people that when you talk about fish tips, they they get their minds so stuck on this fish, 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 fish. It's like, no, 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 no. 
remove yourself. Cause when you think about it as a guide, like after all my expenses and everything, I only make 150 to 200 bucks a trip. That's what I charge for my tips on fishtips.com. So I'm making the same amount of money that I would. I just don't have my labor involved in it and all these other expenses, you know? And once again, all these guys that think about being a tournament pro, man, kudos to you. Go get them, Tiger. That's, it's extremely expensive. And if you're not watching every dollar bill, man, dude, that can be, that can put yourself in extremely scary financial straits. So I don't know. I, I think a little different, I think, than most people. And, uh, you know, I get a lot of hate because of it. Um, I don't I don't think anything I say is like crazy off the wall. It's just I just try to logically think about things like, is this good for my spirit? Is it good for my family? Is it good for our finances? Is it, is it good for those things? And if it checks those boxes, then I'm like, hey, then this is this makes sense. Let me, you know, incorporate this into my my life and my business and so forth. So nah, I think it all makes sense. And I love the timing, too, of fish tips. Because it's kind of in this age of like everyone is super interested in like passive income, whether it be drop shipping or affiliates or anything like that. So I think the passive income play is real interesting for you guys to kind of get the setup, get rolling, especially in this time and this kind of economic state that we're in. How, how else, Eric, how else can a fisherman make passive income? Right. It's like the classic like drop shipping videos that you see online. Oh, Amazon drop shipping. FBA wars or something like that. And like, yeah. yeah, that's right. So it's like, well, I feel like what we've created is really unique. Like it's a legitimate way for guides and anglers that desire to make secondary income. Like this is the most passive revenue stream ever invented in the fishing industry outside of owning a big corporation. Right. No, absolutely. Well, Austin, I appreciate it having you with you. Let's wrap it up here. I always ask everyone what your PB largemouth and PB smallmouth is. PB largemouth. So this one, I, I got a lot of flack for this. I caught a giant bag of fish on a Huddleston one day. They had just stocked trout at a local lake. So I want to take my wife. She can't throw a bait cast or anything. So I'm like, well, I'm going to, she don't know how to retrieve baits, whatever. I, I put a live trout on the end of a rod. And dude, we caught it a 12 and a half pounder. And of course I'm, I'm like known as the swim baiter and you know, catching a, a, a giant bass on a live bait and being a swim baiter, that's like the cardinal sin, right? So anyways, but, uh, I did, I did catch the next year. I caught an 11 and a half on a, uh, on a jig, on a bed. Uh, but I've got, a, you know, I've never actually caught a double digit fish on a swim bait. Really? But you caught that nine. I've caught, dude, I've caught two dozen fish between 9.00 and 9.14. It's unbelievable. Like, it's crazy. But it's not that big of a deal. Uh, but biggest smallmouth uh, was, uh, I think it I think it was right under seven pounds. I got that on the YouTube channel. It ate a top water during the heron falling uh, feet away from, from the boat. There was two. I was like, look at these big smallmouth fall on my top water. They were four pounders, big fat ones. And they peeled off it. I'm like, Oh gosh, look at the size of this large mouth. And it came up and ate. And when it turned, I went, Oh my gosh, that's a small mouth dude. It was just, it was like that wide. It was so dark and it jumped. It just started going crazy. It was like, it was like tw almost 20. Our, our small mouth are weird. You think about like the Northeast, you guys have like these short stocky small mouth. We have these herring chasing small mouth. So it was almost 24 inches long. For small mouth. 
Wow. It was like, yeah, I, I want to say it was like 23, it was like 23 and a half inches, but like the tail was like worn yeah. down. And, uh, it was, uh, and just, I mean, just that thick, dude, it was long slant. I mean, the fish was only from top to bottom. Like you guys have those small mouth that look like, yeah, they got the big shoulders. Yeah, yeah, our smallmouth look like they're anorexic because they're all they do is swim and chase shad all day. They don't like lay on the bottom and eat gobies yeah. and get that, you know. So, but it was it was an unbelievably long fish and is really thick. But Fast. those are the two. Awesome. Well, I'm gonna give you a little time here at the end to to plug fish tips on the website there, and then also your guiding service too, and any social medias too that you want to kind of shout out there. Yeah, my my. My guide business is Dreamcatcher Guides. You can go to dreamcatcherguides.com. And then our tackle shop is Dreamcatchers Fishing Supply, and it's dreamcatchersfishing.com. Our YouTube channel, Dreamcatchers Fishing. And then Fish Tips is pretty simple. It's Fish Tips pretty much on every social media platform uh, and website. So fishtips.com. If you're a guide or highly dialed an angler looking to make money in the fishing industry, check out Fish Tips. It's a great product. We are constantly uh, working on it and making it a trust. I mean, it is very trustworthy. We, we've we sold, I mean, I think we've had like five or six uh, little sales just come in while I've been on this podcast with guys that are selling tips to people who are looking to maximize their time on the water. So if you're a recreational fisherman, you're going fishing on vacation, maybe you just need a, uh, you know, kickstart in the right direction. You're going to fish a tournament somewhere, whatever it is. I mean, we, we built this for recreational anglers, but you know, we understand there's people that just they need help on the water. We just want to see people maximize their life. So that's what we're all about. But anyways, Eric, I appreciate this, man. This has been great. And uh, I hope I wasn't too long. Nope, you're good, man. It's cool to kind of dive into your story too. I wish you the best of luck with your guiding service and fish tips as well, man. Well, man. Well, dude, let's stay. Absolutely. All right. See you, buddy.